0: Please turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Thank you. morning. Does anybody remember what the sermon was about last week? Joy had an excellent sermon. It really blessed me. Anyone else remember the theme? Parking. Parking, And specifically, not parking. Um, Continuing on, because that's what God wants us to do. Ed touched me so much and blessed me because... I recognize that I've been emotionally parking for a while. It's a hard thing to do when you go through the waters, sometimes not to get distracted by them and to wind up parking. I want you to turn back to Isaiah 43, and we're going to read the second half of verse 1 through the first half of verse 4. Isaiah 43, 1 through 4. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Kids, again, he calls us by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place, since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you. It mentions in there Egypt, and maybe some of you know, um, Jim and I lost our daughter, not lost, she died um, three years ago. And that has been the worst water I have ever walked through. But when she died, we had her memorial and a song that I've loved since I was a kid. It was um, written as a poem, written by Annie Johnson Flint, but then it was turned into a song, and Patricia White sang it. When I was a kid, I remember listening to that. It's called The Red Sea Place. And that came back to my mind, and some of my family members and I sang that at Marie's funeral, and I want to read it to you. It reminds us, having been brought out of Egypt, what Jesus did almost right off the bat, almost the first thing, and it applies to every one of our lives. I know every one of you sitting here has some water you are either currently walking through or you've been through. The Red Sea place. Have you come to the Red Sea place in your life where, in spite of all you can do, there is no way out? There is no way back? There is no other way but through? Then wait on the Lord with a trust serene till the night of your fear is gone. He will send the wind, He will heap the floods when He says to your soul, Go on, don't park. And his hand will lead you through, clear through, ere the watery walls fall down. No foe can reach you, no wave can touch, no mightiest sea can drown. The tossing billows may rear their crests, their foam at your feet may break, but over their bed you shall walk dry shod in the path that your Lord will make. In the morning watch, neath the lifted cloud, you shall see but the Lord alone. When he leads you on from the place of the sea, to a land that you have not known, and your fears shall pass as your foes have passed, you shall be no more afraid. You shall sing his praise in a better place, a place that his hand has made. Like I said, that's been my waters. But we all pass through waters, whether they seem to somebody as simple as midterms at school, school projects, as difficult as a body-altering disease, an emotion-changing divorce, heartbreaking death, the stress of a job loved or hated, the financial curbing of your lifestyle, and on... Or, et cetera, whatever it is, you have something in your life that is waters that you are passing through. I began to contemplate the second half of that verse because it doesn't just come with you when you pass through the waters; it comes with the promise, "I will be with you." And I recognize that in some times in my life, I have had, though I believe God is there with me. I've had more of a deist point of view as though he's just watching me. And I know that's not the truth. When I stop to think about it, when I recognize what he's written in his word and what he's done for me in my life, I know that the with me is true. But sometimes we need that extra reminder to stop and look at what he's given us. So I went back to some stories that he made my mind think of that would give us that precedent of him being with us and what he does. If you would turn with me to Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew 14, verses 22 through 32 for the first story. And I have allergies, and so I'm going to blow my nose while you're turning there. Okay, so Matthew 14, verses 22 through 32. And immediately, this is, he just finished feeding the 5,000. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And after he'd sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already many stadia away from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were frightened, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. There's the first thing I want you to remember. No matter what waters you're going through, Jesus is there with you. And when you recognize that he's there with you, he's going to tell you not to be afraid. Take courage. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But... Seeing the wind, he became afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. Peter, sinking beneath the waves of the Sea of Galilee, He had impulsively and even recklessly insisted that the Lord call to him to come out to him. Oh, the newness, the excitement of walking on water, being the second person in the world to have done such a thing. This had to be a claim to fame. There was something to brag about in this. No one else was doing this. And then the cold and the wet and the terrible sinking and terror of terrors the submerging in the depths and as he succumbed to the tumbling sucking waves he glimpsed jesus with him hope and he cried out lord save me Peter's focus and his consciousness, just like ours so often, was not on Jesus the whole time that he walked on the water and that he fell through the water. He was headed straight to the bottom. But Jesus had been there the whole time, whether he recognized it or not. Whether Jesus is the one that leads you to your waters, like he led the Israelites to the Red Sea, and there's no other way for you to go through, go but through. Or whether you happen to be the one that placed yourself in those waters, he's still with you. He is willing to lead you through waters that are of his making or your own because he loves you. And he gently humbles our hearts when it's been us that leads ourselves there. This story made me think of another storm. And again, Jesus was right there, but their focus wasn't on him in the midst of the terrible storm. If you turn to Mark 4, 35 through 41, that'll be our next story. Mark 4, 35 through 41. And on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the multitude, they took him along with them just as he was in the boat, and other boats were with him, and there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up, and he himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you so timid? How is it that you have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They started to get a different picture Of this teacher that they had been walking with, power (laughs) that didn't have to unleash itself like a storm does, but could calm an unleashed storm. His example of fearless peace had gone unnoticed until they blew the storm, which was already big, they blew it out of proportion to the power of their Savior is the storm or the water you're walking through looking bigger to you than your savior. I often walk through my days feeling like I'm in control of them, feeling up to the challenge, knowing that I can get this done and that done probably at the same time, and I can use all the talents he's given me. Boy, Lord, aren't I using them well? And not recognizing that I am in need of everything he's given me, that I've got to keep my eyes on him, not on me. Because the minute I stop looking at him, the storm creeps in and it gets insidious and it blows me this way and that and I will sink. And when that storm does happen, because we're all sinful and (laughs) we often forget our Jesus, when that storm comes... I can have the tendency, like the disciples, to begrudge him the fact that he is peace, and he is at peace in my storm. But he is faithful to rebuke me and my storm, and he does it immediately when I ask him. Where else did Jesus experience water that would really be an example of him being with us? As I prayed about that, my mind was taken to the beginning of his ministry. Let's go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Then Jesus arrived. uh, from Galilee, sorry, at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. We just talked about us being sinners, us taking on our lives, thinking we can do it. Jesus is coming to John to be baptized because there is nothing we can do to stop the storms in our lives, to keep our heads above the water when we go through them. He knew that and In everything that we go through, he came to be the example. Verse 14, but John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John permitted him, because... John 1, 29 says, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes away the storms, he walks with us through them, made the example for us. I won't have you turn with me to the next story, I'll just tell it to you. We're in such a mess, and we don't always recognize it, but he knows exactly how to reach us, no matter what type of water we're um, going through, going to, putting ourselves into, whatever it is. Sitting on the edge of the well was such a nice place to rest and await the woman he knew would come. The disciples were occupied with their errand of getting food, so the moment of revelation to her soul would be a private one. She needed that, for she went out of her way to avoid people. She came to the well in the heat of the day when wagging tongues and rolling eyes were not about. She was instantly on her guard, even resentful when this Jewish stranger was sitting invading her carefully protected space and time. Worse yet, he expected water from her. That was enough. He was crossing too many boundaries, and the sarcasm spilled out as she crossly asked how it was that he, a Jewish man, would ask her, a Samaritan woman, for water. Jesus showed her as they talked that he had been with her All along, he told her about her life that proved to her that he knew her. And then he held out to her the water of life, because there is a better water for us to walk under and through. And he invited her to walk with him through that water and experience an entirely different type of life than what she'd previously been living. She is desperate for something different, And she knew there was hope out there. She knew that a Messiah was coming. And when he tells her, I am the Messiah, she believed him. She instantly was changed. And she runs into town seeking the men that she knows that she's experienced life with. And she calls them to know the one who told me everything I ever did. And she's not guilty about it because she just met Jesus, who changes everything about your life. She's not feeling guilty about those waters she took herself through, because he's changed it. And they accept him, and they want him to stay. And what an eye-opening the prejudiced disciples get as they spend those days with the Samaritans. But they didn't get quite enough, because Jesus led me to one more story of his being with us, and water and it involved the disciples and it involves me and us and our heart condition when evening has had come everyone was together everything was prepared and attended to so that the event of the Passover would be perfect there's a quiet tension building in the room though among those 12 disciples they're avoiding Contact, or they're looking at each other sideways because they have a rivalry going over who is the greatest among them. And while they do this, in the midst of their stubborn rivalry, Jesus takes the towel, the basin, and the water. He is with them. Again, still, for a moment longer with them physically on earth. And they must understand They must get this lesson that he so desperately wants to teach them. To each one of them, he comes on his knees. He tenderly lifts their tired, dirty, smelly feet and cleanses them. He knows those feet won't walk with him through his upcoming impending trial. But he is doing this to show them the extent of his walking with them. Will they let him wash them? Well, Peter won't. No, don't do that until he finds out that if Jesus doesn't wash him, he has no part with him. And then impetuous, as always, Peter wants it all. So they've all been washed, every one of them, even the betrayer. But they haven't all been cleansed. Jesus chose to walk places for us that we don't even like to walk. I remember coming to a place in my life where I knew that I was afraid to walk inside my own heart. And Jesus had to take me there. And he faithfully does it. There are all types of forms of water We have liquid water, frozen steam. I don't know what your watery trial feels like or looks like, though some of you have shared yours with me, and I thank you and I pray for you. But it doesn't matter what our water or our adversity looks like, whether it feels like fire or water, God is with you. I want us to, for a second as I close, to stop thinking about what we look like in the storm. That all of these stories kind of covered what what we look like. Afraid, trying to do it on our own, things like that. And I want us to focus on what Jesus was in each of those storms so that as you walk out today back into whatever water is trying to drown you, that you'll recognize the power of Jesus and exactly what he is for you so that you will believe and know and stop being afraid and cling to him and have that faith that he wants you to have. So this is what with you looks like. He's bold enough to walk on water. He's compassionate and immediate enough to draw us out of it when we are sinking like Peter. He is peaceful and calm, calm enough to sleep through a storm. He is master of the storm. He is master of you. He is a gentle rebuker because we all need a rebuke. He's the leader. He leads us to water. He leads us through water. He is the obedient example. He was baptized not only in water and fire, but he was baptized in death for us so that we would recognize his power. He is the fulfiller of all that pertains to our salvation Every single point covered by him. Just like the children's story, we're all black, and his blood, once it was poured out, covered every blackness in us. We just need to believe it. He's patient, he's tender, he reveals our hearts, he forgives, he's life and living water, like at the well. He's a heart reader. He knew the hearts of every disciple in that room, even Judas. And he still wanted to wash him because he is the sin cleanser. He is the powerful truth. So when you pass through the waters, remember who is with you. I'm going to read that poem one more time before we close. Have you come to the Red Sea place in your life where in spite of all you can do, there is no way out, there is no way back, there is no other way but through? Then wait on the Lord with a trust serene till the night of your fear is gone. He will send the wind, he will heap the floods when he says to your soul, go on. And his hand will lead you through, clear through, ere the watery walls roll down. No foe can reach you, no wave can touch, no mightiest sea can drown. The tossing billows may rear their crests, their foam at your feet may break. But over their bed you shall walk dry shod in the path that your Lord will make. In the morning watch Neath the lifted cloud you shall see, but the Lord alone. Focus your eyes on Jesus alone. When he leads you on from the place of the sea to a land that you have not known, and your fears shall pass as your foes have passed, you shall be no more afraid. You shall sing his praise in a better place, a place that his hand has made. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I am so thankful that you were promised to come, Emmanuel God with us, and that in every single storm, in every single place of water, whether it be a river like the Jordan or a sea like the Red Sea, you are with us, and it is not impossible for you to make a path or to have us walk over it. I thank you for your Holy Spirit and that you are touching each person here. They have their personal storms and the water that you are walking them through. I ask your Holy Spirit to turn their eyes from their storms back to you so that they will stop being afraid and that they will trust and have faith in all your power and all your love. In your name I pray, amen.